you through a looper, a trooper. Welcome to the Man on Second Podcast on the Coach and Kernan Podcast Network. I'm Joe Fersaro, and as always, our mission here at the network is to raise the baseball IQs of our listeners, and uh, we're going to do just that uh, again today with our very special guest. Uh, let me introduce him. He's a longtime scout uh, who has led the charge in the Marlins drafting of Giancarlo Stanton and Christian Yelich. He has them to claim. He's a former hitting coach in college for Troy Tulowitzki and Evan Longoria and others. He is now currently an author as well. Welcome current Colorado Rockies scout Tim McDonald. Tim, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing fabulous, Joe. I'm, I'm pleased to be joining you, and I'm excited. Thank you for having me on. What you guys yeah, are doing is awesome. Yeah, we appreciate that, and we appreciate your listening. And we and you got quite the resume. And part of what we're doing here is we're really kind of you know peeling the layers of the onion and just really taking baseball fans behind the scenes and really getting them to to understand it at its most basic levels, but then it's advanced levels. That's why I like having the scouts on. So our listeners know Tim is on the amateur side. There are many facets to scouting. So that's why he was seeing Stanton and Yelich when they were, when they were in high school and he sees all the great college players. He's based in California, but Tim, I want to start off with the book uh, because you've been around the game a while. Uh, The book is called uh, Fearless Hitting more than your swing. What inspired you to write the book and, and kind of your objective of the book? Well, the real impetus was the same reason we're talking right now. A lot of us are looking around and saying, well, something's not right. And the kids are, are focused on the wrong things. So it was, I have enough truth. You know, I don't have the great resume of a big league player or whatever, but I thought, man, I can help. And if it helps 10 kids then I'm in. So it was a way for me to feel like I'm seeing what's wrong. Uh, what can I do to help? I don't have a podcast like you. I, I, I didn't have a big social media following. So I was like, if I write a book, I can get to it. I can reach a few kids and we can start helping them one after another, after another. I've always, you know, with hitting, we talk about one swing at a time. Well, I decided I'm going to try to help one kid at a time. And that was really it. It was nothing more than that. Uh, there's no marketing plan or anything. It's just me trying to help, seeing a problem, and wanting to do something instead of just complain. Because we've all become really experts at complaining, but no one's saying, well, how do we change this? How do we reach these kids? Uh, I got tired of hearing, you know, the kids are soft or the kids aren't loyal. And well, that's our fault then. So let's do something and let's try to help these kids because somewhere along the line, they're missing something. So that was it. Um, I wish it had a grander story for you. (laughs) It was just me saying, I'm right here in Brea, California. I'm going to do everything I can to help and talk to other guys and go, Hey, help, help somebody. And if we can all do that, we can create a ripple and then you know, we start creating tidal waves. It takes time. Just as the game has changed over time, we can, we can get back to real baseball. So that was, that was it. Trying to help kids, their parents. I talk to them all the time. Uh, the level of frustration is so high. And I mean, I think we're going to get into the showcases, etc. But I felt like 
every parent I talked to, they were uh, the target of a well-researched, well-financed marketing campaign pushing fear that they don't know something or they have to play here. They have to hit with that guy. And I was like, the big boys I've been around didn't do any of that. It's like Longoria wasn't getting private lessons. So you, it was for me a way to say, hold on, there's something wrong here. Money's driving this train and we're supposed to be uh, helping the state of the game, not the state of my bank account. So that was it, Joe. Hope that yeah, it- is clear. <laughs> no, no, you touch on some very key points there. Uh, for one, I think you know we we're, we're trying to reinstill the love of the sport by those who play the sport, and 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 I think what you're hitting on is you know I'd say there are a lot of good kids you know in that six to because let's face it, kids are playing at four, five, six years old, and they're starting to get really good by seven, eight. They're on travel ball teams by then. By ten to twelve, they start getting on the radar, especially the really good ones, and and they seem to the enjoyment level because they're almost like, you know, the system grabs them in and then says how they are going to mold them, and and then they're going to guide them, like you say. Um, and now I'm not against hitting coaches. My my son <laughs> had very good hitting and pitching coaches growing up. Uh, but if I hear what you're saying, where if they're not doing their research and they're not getting the development. So where do you see, you know, where is the disconnect and where do you think you could could help with the connect? Well, for clarity, there are good people in all the things I mentioned. There are good travel coaches, good showcases, good hitting guys, good pitching guys. I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush, but what we have are quite a few of the social media gurus who are lying to kids. So what do I see? I see showcases are great for for scouting for me i can see a bunch of players in the same place for colleges it's the same thing where we're missing the cons of it is we have a whole bunch of players that are you know families that are spending a ton of money they got to pay to play on the team pay to play in a tournament pay the gate fee pay to stay at the hotel because the organizer gets a kickback and then at the end of it they're left with nothing So when we talk about fans of the game and loving the game, we have a huge number of very disappointed people because they've been lied to. And so we have to step into that gap and say, you don't have to do all this. If your son doesn't love going to all these games, you don't need to do that. Your your priority should be he loves the game. He's learning. He's getting a little better every day. Not that they're forced to play on this specific team. So, that's where the disconnect is and it's hard because it's it's been going for a while and the good players joe that that i go see the the elite guys they're not paying for these things they they get to go for free and it's it's on the dime of these other people and then the other thing for me i work in la uh we are eliminating uh low-income families they just they can't afford any of this so you have this big group of players, and I could tell you high school after high school, I walk by the football field or the basketball gym, and I'll say, do you play baseball? Nah, I did when I was 10, but it costs too much. I hear it all the time. So it's like we're, we're chasing athletes away. We're chasing families away, and we need both of those for the state of the game, not just for scouting. The product needs to be good on the field, but we also it's entertainment. We need fans. We need people to love the game. So how do you fix it? One player at a time is 
all I know. Um, I wish I had a better answer for everybody, but parents need to ask questions. They need to get, you know, references, ask why, ask why, ask why. That's what I tell them all the time. It's, you don't have to go to the first guy. You can actually keep looking around and don't, don't let the fear overtake you. Um, you know, I grew up, my mom saying, you know, love is the opposite of fear. So I was like, well, let's push the love of the game. Again. Let's get these kids to love the game. I do. I know you do, Joe. Oh, so absolutely. If we get back to that side of it, I think the rest of it can start to simmer down. And then and someone else is, who loves the game is our producer, Dave D'Agostino. And Dave, of course, is, is a longtime coach. Uh, Dave wants to jump in. Tim, he's got a question for you. Good. Tim, I love all your points with it. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of echo, I played three years of professional baseball, four years of college baseball, and I spent 20 plus years coaching collegiately. I never, I get asked all the time, I never took a hitting lesson. And the, the young kids can't possibly fathom how I learned how to hit at that <laughs> level. It's amazing. But the, the question that I always ask, um, and, and, I, and I try to impress upon the parents, is there are some people out there that are pretty good but they're so inundated with all this social media, all this input that they can't differentiate. They don't know how to, they don't have the expertise. So fear drives the the wagon, so to speak. So I guess my question is the message to all these parents that are listening, what are some things they can look at to start learning how to tell the difference? Well, the big one, I mean, it, it becomes, who is it about? Is it when you meet with these guys, are they selling the big what's under their umbrella and how great they are? Or are they being invested into your son right away? The reason you hit Dave and the reason I did is because our coaches were our coaches. It wasn't a business uh, business owner and a client. It was the relationship you started building from day one and your, your coaches earned your trust. So for me, it's when I talk to players, I say, I understand it's hard. But if you go in and it's all about his system or his team and how you're going to fit in, and it's not how am I going to help you build a foundation to love this game, how I'm going to teach you so that the kid is developing. It's a very small difference because we do have guys that are experts at sales and marketing in this game now. I mean, they they are very good. So it does take some time, but the key is, the thing I love, I think you guys as well will agree, is the relationships in this game. And if you're not building a relationship with the young man you're working with, then what are you doing? Um, that's the part. If they don't trust you, the information's not going to sink in anyway. So that investment in the person, often this is scouting-wise, so I'll just throw this in. But people say, well, what was it about Yelich or Stanton? We bought into who they were as humans. They obviously had good ability, but who they were as as just young men growing up, we bought into that. It wasn't that the other scouts didn't see the tools. They did. We just thought that these, these, these youngsters have character we like. They have work ethic we like, we, mental toughness we like. It was all of those intangibles. So again, back to your question. Find a hitting guy, a travel ball coach that has a history of caring about his kids, that you can go to a kid who played for him five years ago, not the superstar, but the other one, and say, hey, what did you learn? And and ask those questions. We have parents need to start communicating with other parents 
because what happens is the top players, mom or dad, become a part of the marketing campaign because yeah. the, the coach will say, hey, can I, I'm going to have this, these players call you. And they do. And it's great that it worked out for, for Johnny, but for Stevie and Davey, it didn't work out. We need to, those parents are unfortunately embarrassed. They've spent a lot of money and they have nothing. Those stories need to be told. And again, it's relationship, relationship, relationship. It sounds simple and not reachable, but I think it is. I meet kids every day and I try to build relationships with them, whether they end up playing in the big leagues or I'll pump Ron Miller, who I signed, was running baseball generation with Dom Smith and J.P. Crawford. They set a huge event at the Academy in Compton. They're trying to help kids. They, they're building relationships. That, to me, is the key, is when you, when you have a coach that wants to build a relationship, not just a client business owner. Long answer to get to relationships. <laughs> it's great. Joe's being kind. He's going to let me do one follow-up, and then I'm going to step back to my producing role. But I, your, your topic is just is spot on here. We started a program uh, in our area now in, in Myrtle Beach. We call it one-on-one, and we offer free training, pitching, hitting, fielding, free practices, free uniforms, free tournaments for all the kids in our program. And it's caused a problem with the, the local travel teams because I'm a former pro, former college coach with connections with the colleges, everything that they're wanting to sell. And I'm giving it away for free just to try to get into this problem. But um, I always ask the, the parents to ask this question and tell me how important this is, if it is at all. I ask them, find out if that coach understands your child's learning strategies and socialization strategies. Amen. How important is that, important is that to, to investigating a coach? It's huge. Again, that's part of this human, right? We are all humans who learn differently. It was part of, you know, I heard I heard the line, kids don't read books anymore when I wrote my book. And I said, well, there will be some and maybe they should. Um, but we all learn differently. We learn that with the different players we've coached, whether it's, you know, the guy that played in the big leagues or the other one, you have to have different strategies for every single player because they're an individual and we've lost that we cookie cut everything it's it's the coach's philosophy that gets shoved down on a kid who can't understand it they're too scared to ask why or say i don't understand um and we've lost again everything you're saying i love what you're doing i want more information actually david that's outstanding but it's it's trying to again any way we can get to know each person better is going to help them develop. I mean, t- the way that I would talk with, uh, I still call him Mikey Stanton, a hundred percent different than the way I would talk to Christian Yelich because they're two different people. Not that I'm, I'm pandering to one, but one has a unique perspective on everything. And one is, is more normal, I guess you would say in how he sees things. So, yeah, we have to do that. You have to learn how does a player learn? What what were they? It's like visual learners. You might know this better than me, Dave, but there's visual guys that learn through listening. There's all a, a myriad of ways. And yeah, we kind of need to guys learn by doing. Some guys right. learn by planning. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I talked to Troy Tulowitzki. I'm not trying to name drop, but I love him. He wasn't some expert student. He needed to learn by doing. He needed to see somebody else doing things so he could watch that and then go. But if I just told him what to do 
it wouldn't have translated it as as clearly. So we have all kinds of learning systems for each human again. Yeah, yeah, great points, Tim. And I think what you're what you're touching on is, you know, how do you build that culture? And I'm talking community culture, whether it's your high school, the Optimist clubs, uh, the you know the various leagues that would develop these players. And, and, you know, we're fortunate you're in California, I'm in Southern Florida and just great baseball around here. And, and some of the stuff I'm doing is as I'm moonlighting, I do in some high school football and high school sports. I was just up at American heritage for a football game. Now that's a, it's a big time program. Their football team has produced Patrick Sertan, Sony Michelle, and they got their names like on on the field there, and among about eight or ten more guys who are in the NFL. And some of those players are even on their off days are down at the school working out, meaning NFL off days. American Heritage has produced Tristan Casas, and um, and just now drafted by the Blue Jays, uh, Brandon Barriera. However, I'm maybe mm-hmm. yeah, the left hand, the left hander. But that's the culture. The kids know to go. If you go to Heritage, you have a chance to go to the NFL. You have a chance to become a big league baseball player or certainly play D1 in in those sports. How do we, you know, kind of maximize that to to get them in a culture of winning, a culture where, you know, the you know, the the the, those who went on come back and and still connect with the younger players. Um, And I think if we do that, the sport's going to be fine. Yeah, I would say if you go back through Cal State Fullerton's history, those players come back every year because whether it was Augie or Coach Horton or Rick Vanderhoek, the players love those guys. I mean, and they are those three are as tough of coaches in the country, but the players would come back and they would help the, the next generation. I remember my first year coaching, I wasn't a coach. They called it a volunteer or some, something. I don't remember what it was called. It was my first title getting into it. And Reed Johnson, big leaguer, and Aaron Rowan, big leaguer, would come back and hit. And then guys would sit around and talk to him and learn. So I think it's based on Augie, George, and, and Hookie's ability to build relationships. Guys came back. I do think guys are scared to do that now. I hear some of the coaches um, you know, you get some parents who want to get them fired. It's a tough, I, I certainly don't have all the answers. I, I don't want to come across as that. I don't. And that's why I say I want to help one kid at a time because I don't have the answer for how to completely turn the, t- the Titanic the other way. Um, but for those coaches, uh, they have to get back to building relationships. They have to. And in that, you're going to have to be tough on players at times. And if you happen to get fired for that, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, honestly, I don't know. It's tough because coaches have families. I don't want to jump into their shoes. I coached, but it's a different environment now. And I think we have to go lower and we have to take the noise out for the younger kids. Um but yeah, that's a great question, Joe. And I wish I had the perfect answer for the whole world. But I would say in baseball, if we can build relationships with player coach again and not client business owner, it will turn because people will trust each other again. Right now, the trust is lost and every I hear it everywhere. There's no loyalty. This guy, you know, the transfer portal, the the money involved. 
everything has become negative, we still have to build relationships. I don't care how bad it's, it's hard to scout every house I go into. I hear about the uh, rankings that somebody has ranked them. And I have to say, well, that's great, but those teams don't have a pick. So I, what do you want me to do? So there's so much noise that's become involved and it's all money driven. So I think yeah, you're much, back. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, yeah, it's, um, that's interesting that, that you note that. And yes, in, in high school, high school sports down here, it's, you know, kids transferring all the time. There's no doubt, you know, yes, I have a better awesome. chance to win here. Uh, and then, you know, if they go to college, they can do the same. And then if they're fortunate enough to be first rounders, they're probably signing when they get drafted by the big league teams. Uh, you know, what do you think is dry, obviously money and obviously opportunity yeah. and building brands and, this is where I think social media can help these kids because let's face it, it's here to stay. Um, yeah. And and you talked about marketing of these players. These players are marketing themselves. I mean, for instance, the Marlins social media icon is Jazz Chisholm Jr. Kids love him. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they they love him, and and he could pull people into the sport just with a charisma and a flair. Um, do you sense that you're you're seeing these players that? have their eye in the prize or they see, you know, they, they could be swayed by distractions. Oh boy. Another tough question. Well, first of all, jazz was at that thing at the Academy this last weekend and you know, JP Crawford. So they are trying to give back. Um, how do you get former players to give back? I, I don't know the answer to that. They have to love the game. And I would, I would bet that somewhere along the line, jazz had people who built relationships with them and loved them. And I would say the same thing for J.P. Crawford, who does the same, and Dom Smith, who does the same. Um, I, I would say that is probably the key and the reason they do go back, because someone did it for them. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know how we can change the entire culture, Joe. I really don't. And it's one-on-one-on-one on one on one and try to try to get it moving. But I think those questions, I mean, as a, as an area scout, I don't have good answers for that other than players need to trust their coaches, but the, the coach has to earn it. So it's just, we, we look for things to be quick. Now, everybody, uh, we have the attention span of a goldfish. So everybody wants everything to happen fast, but relationship building isn't fast. When we talk, I sometimes will use this with, with players and say, well, you went on one date with her. Are you going to marry her? Well, I don't know her enough. That's the same thought. That's the same process you should have with your coaches. Don't trust me till I earn it. I don't want you to just believe what I'm saying. I want, I want you to make me earn it. Make me show that I actually care about you off the field before you change your whole swing. And I call it the spiral to failure, which I see all the time. Some random coach messes with a kid's swing, and then that changes three other things, and he's done he can't hit anymore based on one change from a guy you didn't trust in the first place. So, and it's sad because I, I deal with the, uh, the parents on the back end that are so frustrated and I, I tried to warn you, don't go, um, go play wiffle ball. You'd be better off finding a place with your buddies and go play wiffle ball than, than a lot of these things. So, Sorry, again, your questions, I think in in the culture of thing as an area scout, it's hard to answer that because I don't have enough knowledge of really the entire baseball arena. I see the things I do and I I can see the problems and I'm trying to fix those 
But as far as the culture of it, we need jazz and we need JP and we need guys going out. There's tons of guys that are doing it and they don't, they don't even ask for credit for it, which is the best part. Um, so we need those guys to keep doing it. And guys like myself who never played in the big leagues, I need to go try to help kids too. And other guys need to try to help. And if, if someone along the way helped you, then pay it back, like help somebody. I have coaches. I love, I just talked to coach Horton on the phone the other day, or we were texting after I got to hang out with him at Cal state Fullerton fall game. Uh, I text with Stan Meek still. I mean, these are relationships again from baseball legends and what I learned from them. I need to pass that on to the next guys, even if they don't want to hear it. They're going to go, oh, yeah, that guy, he said that. Maybe he was right. Um, that's all I can do. I don't. I mean, I hope that answers some of your question. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's – go ahead, finish. It's, it's the noise, Joe. The noise yeah. in our industry is overwhelming, and it's coming from everywhere. So yeah. how do you eliminate noise? Focus on one person and make that one change. That's for me as an introvert guy who didn't want to do any of this, I'd be happier just scouting Joe, but I I love the game. I love helping players. So um, that's my answer. Yeah. We're we're going to switch over to, to showcase because you know, that that's a big part of it. And, and and we know, we know the good and the the bad of, of showcasing. We know the, the growing popularity of them. How much have they changed even in the last few years and, and what are you kind of noticing? Because now, you know, I could say one thing that's changed in the last few years is now these showcases all have, have TrackMan there, and, which is StatCast. So these kids now are the pitchers are trying to throw 100 and the hitters are trying to hit the ball 110 miles an mm-hmm. hour off the bat. So how much are you seeing all that kind of intertwined at the showcase level? Oh, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. Um, yeah, there's there's pluses and minuses to this too. I, I, I state in my book, there are some metrics that I like, but the truth is metrics are telling us what already happened. So it's hard to recreate, you know, the exit velocity you had last at bat. It's hard to recreate that in the next one against a different pitcher and different situation in the game. Uh, I always go with this when I talk to kids about metrics, when they get crazy. I say, okay, well, everyone wants to know what your average exit velocity is. First of all, you need a huge sample size for that to have any any value. But there's three hitters. There's one, and he's got. we've got a runner at third, and there's three different hitters. One battles with two strikes, hits a blooper over the first baseman's head, scores a run, his exit velocity is 60. Another guy swings as hard as he can, hits a rocket at the third baseman. He catches the line drive. You got a 107 mile an hour exit velocity and the guy that strikes out with the runner at third. Now the guy who struck out his exit velocity doesn't change. Doesn't hurt him that he struck out the guy who hit it 107 didn't do his job, but he's got 107 exit velo and the guy who hit the blooper for uh, 60 exit velocity, his average exit velocity went way down. Which of those three players do you want in that at, at bat? And most of them will think for a second and then they'll realize, well, I want the guy that scored the run. Well, yeah, you can hit a 15 hopper at the second baseman and have 20 exit velocity. Who's the better hitter? Who did what we want? So you have to, for me, I tried to dive in and learn the metrics and find a way. There's more of it that I don't understand still, but I tried to use the things I could and start 
you know, honestly poking holes through some of it um, because metrics can't drive our results. When we become result oriented, now we're not playing the game. The process is blown up. Um, there's better pitching guys you can have on than me that can talk velo and spin rate. Um, again, I can poke some holes, but it's not going to help any kids. I just think for kids, they need to understand that metrics are not the final say. Um, I personally, I got to be careful here, but I personally have sat in meetings where we're talking about metrics and a player. And the final answer was, well, he had poor fortune. And I said, what do you mean he had poor fortune? That's bad luck. Seriously, we're going to go with bad luck as the final answer here. So if the analytics guys are admitting that it came down to luck, then the kids need to know it's not factual and it doesn't lead to your development and it doesn't promise a rainbow at the end of this thing. So I, I, again, there's so many variables to this. I think the showcases are pushing that because the parents like it. It's easier to understand, but when you start playing for results, it's a much harder game to be successful. Interesting, Tim. Are you noticing of the quality of play overall? I mean, there's we always hear the kids are and the players today are more athletic, stronger, faster, throw harder, hit, you know, do all those things, but maybe not playing it at the aptitude level, maybe if that's the right word, of of it's you know kind of the heyday of baseball. Are, are you? Are you seeing that more? Are you uh, well, seeing guys that, you know, kind of play the game, uh, you know, that, that, you know, play the game that can quote unquote, right. Or, you know, how do you see it? Well, I'm in Southern California, as we, we know, uh, I would state that the majority of people are saying, no, the state of California is not going in the right direction for players. They're not bigger, faster, stronger, better. But there's a myriad of reasons for that. So, it's, you know, people have moved out, et cetera. It's hard to, hard to financially stay here. So it's hard for me to answer that. I think when I look at the SEC and I see those guys, I go, well, man, they are much more physical and, and they're more developed than, say, we were back 15 years ago. Uh, what I'm seeing in California is, no, the players are not developing and what we're seeing, the product is not better. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to state that countrywide. It may be different in Florida. You got all the, the SEC, the power five conferences. I don't have a ton of that. I do have UCLA and USC, but I don't, I see more mid majors in the big West or the WCC and the high school players. If you track the draft, just simply the draft, you'll see less California players are being drafted. Is that because we're too locked in on the metrics? What variable is it? It would be, it's hard to say. There's a a myriad again of reasons for that, but we are definitely seeing a decline in high drafted players in Southern California, whether that's college or high school, that's just the reality. Um, So yeah, again, another one where I don't see the whole country, but in Southern California, the metrics are not helping. Nothing's helping. Um, and I talk with coaches who are frustrated and players that are frustrated and, and they don't really even know each other. So it goes back to, I mean, I don't think I could be wrong, 
But I don't think if George Horton was coaching at Cal State Fullerton again, that players would be in, entering the transfer portal like they do now, or Dave Snow. They wouldn't have left him because those guys were building relationships and their players were getting better. So, again, it, it's hard to answer these big, big questions, Joe, and that's part of the problem. It's part of the noise that I keep saying. Yeah. So get back for me again. The only answer for me is to get back one-on-one. For guys like you have big platforms and different different people, I hope that more people jump in. I, I, I was tickled pink when I heard you guys were doing this. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Because we don't know. that Again, there's so much noise, it's hard to find out what people are doing. Well, yeah, and that's um, – I've mentioned this to a couple of my guests, and uh, a lot of – yes, I, I did the Marlins for 18 years for MLB.com. Now I'm still – active BBWAA member. Um, I'm doing stuff for the Palm Beach Post and and other platforms as well to stay involved. I'm not the day-to-day that I was for, you know, 18 years on the Marlins beat, but I I noted this to a few other guests that, you know, we're not talking, even as media, talking the sport among each other. You know, uh, we're, we're, we're distracted by everything else, but we're also blown away by the viral video of, of the fan catching a foul ball more than, you know, an astute baseball play. So it's almost like baseball itself is, and the people most connected to it seem to concede that, oh, it's just boring. And I don't buy that because I think sometimes the most intricacy, intricate parts of the game to me are the most fascinating. And it leads, I can't tell you the amount of stories I would observe something a player did and three weeks later, the results completely changed. And I go back and mention an incident and they're like, you're right. That's when it flipped for me. You know, I, I, did, I made this adjustment. I saw this. That moment raised confidence. But if the, if the people that are informing and illuminating the sport are missing it, then the, then the fans are going to miss it. Correct. That's wild. That's wild that the sports writers are, are, are that way as well. But I do think we are seeing it's weird how social media has changed the, the game because I say kids are looking for that viral TikTok moment or that viral whatever video, but they don't really care about winning a game. And again, I don't, I'm not blaming the kids. The entire industry has helped create this. Um, and it, it's sad to watch, but that's why I'm on here. That's why we're pointing out that there's a problem and we're trying to help kids understand that the game itself is what I love and they need to be taught the game. We love, I mean, I love hit and run. There's different things. I absolutely love watching, but they don't even understand that it doesn't get taught in their, in the lab when they're taking their private hitting lesson, because that's all swing. Uh, they don't know how to drag bunt or push bunt because it's not taught. So we have to get back to guys who actually love the game, which I know you guys have mentioned Jeff Fry. It's pretty obvious he loves the game. We need guys like that who love baseball and are trying to help. And I do think the game itself is so great that if we get back to that, kids are going to love it because they're like, wait a second, this is more fun than just trying to swing as hard as I can and swing and miss or pop up or hit a home run. That is sort of boring. That's slow pitch softball. We get back to playing the game. I mean, the game has lasted this long because it's a great game and we love it. So we just have to get back to teaching that. 
And we've let different things come in and change that. So we have to get back to the basics and build foundations and teach them the game, teach them how to run the bases. I mean, I just, a video came on last night, Ricky Henderson, how many bases he used to steal. And I was like, where'd that guy go? Where, where's Ricky? 120 bases. What? So, and that was exciting. And he scored tons of runs. I don't want to hear that he didn't score runs. Yes, he did. Um, so there's there's lots of things like that that we just have to get back. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, money has driven a lot of changes that are not not helpful to the game. And fans are leaving. Joe, I hear it all the time. I hear it yeah. constantly that I don't like baseball. I hear it from the kids. It's boring. And there's times I'm watching games on TV, I have to agree with them. There's times I'm at a college game, and I have to agree with them. Um, So hopefully we can, again, turn the Titanic a little bit, and next year a little more. It's not going to be a quick fix. I I can't see that it just all of a sudden turns around again. We need a guy to come in and steal 100 bases, and everyone go, who's that guy? And then more more and more guys are going to do it, if the teams will allow them. I don't know what the other 29 teams allow, but I think we would. So <laughs> yeah, Tim and our, our remaining minutes, we're going to talk, we can go down memory lane a little bit. Cause I think our fans, especially those who have followed me know I covered the Marlins forever. And, and I think they'd like to hear some, some of the war stories on Stanton and Yelich specifically. What are, you know, some of your first, you know, memories. And when you're, when you're seeing a phenom like Stanton in terms of a physical presence and then the kid with a, amazing we're talking about a good swing we'll end on a good swing um you know with christian yelich as we get out of here tell tell our listeners a bit about how you kind of they got on your radar well stanton it's an easy one i was still coaching in college we were looking for a power bat and i was calling a bunch of different people and i happened to come across his name and we i went and saw him and i was like oh that's a long way away and then he showed up to area code tryouts, which is before the area code games, and put on a dis- powered display. Um, and from there, he kept going. He he worked with some, I can't remember who, someone had helped him along the way, again, relationship. And he started to put it together the summer before his senior year and uh, hit a bunch of home runs that summer in batting practice only, not in the games. And then he played football, then he played basketball. And jumped into baseball. It was rough at first. And I think what happened was guys saw his first few games and ran away from him. And at that point with Stan Meek and David Krause and Scott Golby, the guys I was working with, uh, we all said, yeah, we're, we're not running away from this one. This one's different. I got to know Mikey uh, better. And, again, we bought into the person he wanted to play. Uh, I don't know if there's a, a war story. There was a couple times I would show up. And there were no other scouts at games. And I I thought, wow, this is sort of odd. This is a monster. And people are running away from him. Uh, I think midway through his his senior year, we really saw the game slow down for him. And that's a credit to his high school coach, Tom Dill, who at Notre Dame, who really worked with him and let Mikey be Mikey. He said, hey, he plays football. He plays basketball. As soon as he's out here and can play, he's playing. So that was him. It wasn't, uh, I don't know if there's one significant story. We just stayed with him because what we first saw was so dramatic. Um, 
Yelich, on the other hand, I won't forget this one. I was with David Krausen, who was our national guy, and we were watching Tyler Skaggs, the pitcher who's you know angel yeah. passed away. And Christian was a year younger, and we got left left, and we're scouting Tyler Skaggs, and this skinny Christian Yelich just hits a bomb to dead center. And we looked at each other like, well, I, I guess we're on this one too. I mean, it was it – was, Sometimes they make it obvious. The tools become obvious where you go, well, this guy, wow, look at that swing. And there were other things to answer with him with where would he play, but the swing was so beautiful. Um, so that was the first real moment for, for Yelly was an absolute missile he hit to dead center off Tyler Skaggs. Wow. And I still to this day, I can visualize where we were, David and I were standing and everything and david you know he's a country boy he said well something like that that one we're gonna be on um <laughs> so it was it was good you that know, was I, the I've one i've heard tim i've heard a ton of christian yellich stories because i was there day one i did not hear that one so i appreciate oh, yeah. hearing that and i hope yeah. our i hope our audience does as well yeah, yeah. he was a, i mean he's a fun one because you go watch him hit and you just go holy cow and a simple approach. But again, I, I think a lot of people knew Christian would hit. It was harder. The hardest thing in scouting is finding somebody anywhere that lives near him to say anything negative. I got desperate. I talked to every coach in that league. I was asking girls on campus, boys on campus. Hey, do you know Christian Yelich? Yeah, what do you, what's negative about him? I don't know. He's a nice kid. I was like, <laughs> is this guy for real? Like, I, you know, you sort of ask yourself, can he be this good? But he is. He's, he's a really terrific human being. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of him now. He's going through a little scuffle. He'll figure it out. I have no doubt about that. Um, yeah. So that was, that was it with Yelly. Um, just oh, trying cool. to invest in who they are. Well, that that's probably one to, to end on a high note because we're going to, you know, name of your book, Tim, Fearless Hitting More Than Your Swing. And Kristen Yelich, of course, is is someone. And I think Yelly is also a, a player. When you talk about connecting one player at a time is an example of why we're hopeful that baseball is going to be fine uh, in the long run. Tim, uh, promise you come back again because I I could go on about two hours with you, and so Anytime. we're going to have you on more than once. But uh, tell everyone again how they can get the book, and and then um, we'll get out of here. Yeah, you can get it Amazon.com. Fearless hitting more than your swing, and then also it's linked in my Twitter, and my Twitter is Tim McDonald underscore underscore. So it's uh, T I M M C D. O-N-N-E-L-L underscore underscore. And you can get the link there. And those are the two spots for the self-published Tim McDonald. That's it right now. Just getting started with this. I appreciate you guys even mentioning it. I know we talked about scouting, so I'm thankful to you guys. And I'm, I love that you're trying to increase baseball IQ. And if I can do anything to help you, please let me know. Oh, we absolutely will. Um, Dave, you have anything else as Tim's getting out of here? No, Tim, this was fantastic. Right up the alley of our listeners, uh, kids on 42 countries are going to be hearing this and hopefully buying your book for Christmas. So we'll push that out there for you. I think it's going to be a great read for everybody. Yeah, I did. Thank you. I just hope they love the game. That's what we want. Get more people to love baseball. And, and once they do, then this whole ship will get corrected. But we've got to get back loving the game, the details, the little things. 
Well, I, I think our listeners can sense your passion and love of the game, and we hope we're conveying that as well here on the channel because that's why we're doing this. You know, we we have, you know, a lot of uh, skin in the game. We've been in the game a long, long time, all of us connected here and still are very hopeful that baseball have a bright future. And and this podcast, that's why we're growing this. It's, uh, it, you know, we, we're bringing this to you in various shows here. I'm doing the Man on Second show, as people know, here on the Coach and Kernan Network. And uh, for all our listeners, you can follow us on all the major um, podcast platforms, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, um, and on social uh, media at Coach and Kernan. And me, I'm at Joe, F-R-I-S-A-R-O. And, uh, you know, we'll be back at, at you. We, you know, we have the holidays coming up, so schedule may change just a little bit. But uh, for now, we, uh, again, thanks to Tim McDonald, our guest, and we are out of here. Hump blooper, a wobbly ball, a whipsy-dipsy-doo. A pet dodger hesitation, submariner, a four-day rider, and a midnight creeper. Your new joy, heartache, and celebration.